Well, this morning we're going to continue in a series we started last week entitled Courage. And we want to talk about the power. And before we talk about it, yes, we will welcome all the new people. Thank you, Wayne. If you're visiting us for the very first time, you are a VIP. And we want to give you a very warm Ramah South Coast welcome. So wherever you are uh, sitting today, if you're a visitor, raise your hand nice and high. And we'll give you a Ramah South Coast welcome. God bless you. Good to have you here today. God bless you over there. Thank you so much for joining us. You really are our VIPs. And our stewards are giving you a welcome brochure, and they're giving you a little gift so you remember your first visit to our church. If you'll take a moment and open that brochure, you'll see there's a section provided there. If you wouldn't mind filling that in, and then just indicating to us whether we could either phone you or send you an email. We don't want to arrest you. we just like to find out how you enjoyed the service and answer any questions you might have about our church. You can then pop that either into the offering bucket at the end of the service or hand it in at the info bar so that we know you are here. The other sections for you to keep so you can stay connected with the life of our church and uh, that pen is your gift to remember your visit with us today. God bless you and I hope you've already had a great time. So we're talking about courage and our, our title for the first two weeks was Contending for Our Faith and we're doing a study uh, parallel with courage out of the book of Jude because the book of Jude starts with an encouragement where Judah is saying, listen, you need to contend for your faith because you have a real enemy and your enemy wants to break you down. He wants to steal the faith out of your heart. He wants you to walk in doubt and fear and unbelief. And uh, the reality is this, you know, when you become an encourager, when you encourage other people, what it does, it actually produces courage in their hearts. And they found they are able to go further, do more, and keep trusting God, even when times are difficult. So turn to the person next to you and say, are you an encourager this morning? Now, remember our key scripture for this was Jude 1 and verse 3. We looked at the first two verses, but I want to read verse 3 this morning out of the Passion Translation. And uh, let's look together at what verse 3 says. It says here in verse 3 in the Passion Translation, Dearly loved friend, I was fully intending to write to you, to write to you about our amazing salvation we all participate in. But I felt the need instead to challenge you. So this translation, instead of putting encourage, he puts challenge. And remember we said last week, the word encourage, the word courage has a depth to it. It's not just a, a loose word. It's got some depth and it's got some passion about it. So here he uses the word, I want to challenge you to vigorously depend and con defend and contend for the belief that we cherish. For God through the apostles has once and for all entrusted these truths to his holy believers. So they've been entrusted to us. We have the responsibility to look after them in our lives, to nurture them, and to value them because they are our prized possession. Now remember, we looked at this word uh, loved. He uses the word here, you dearly loved friend. In the original, it's the word beloved. And, and we said that this word means to esteem someone, to love someone, or to be passionate towards someone, to consider them worthy of your love. And I believe Jude wanted you and I to see today that God loves us, that God's in our corner. I love what Pastor Ben shared this morning. It's not us holding his hand, he's holding our hand. Amen. And he's never going to let us go. That is so beautiful. And then we looked at the word encourage, and we said this is a strong word. It means to urge, to persuade, or to put positive pressure on someone. 
In other words, you come alongside them and you say, come on, you can do this. You can make this. Don't let go of the truths that God gave you when you got saved. Now, we started last week looking at an Old Testament story, the story of Isaac. And we saw how he had courage during the famine, during the most difficult time in that particular era where there was famine everywhere. He chose to believe God. And how you know it takes courage to believe God when things look bleak? When things look difficult, when it feels like things aren't working out or aren't working at the pace you should, it takes courage to stay connected to God and to your faith. And so we looked at a couple of areas, but I want to just quickly pick up on something we, we kind of sped over last week, and it's important to understand this in the context of courage. Remember we read about Isaac, that uh, when God spoke to him and said, don't go to Egypt, which was the natural most brave and probably bright thing to do. Uh, and, and, and God said, Isaac, don't do that. Stay in the land I'll tell you to live in. How you know when he was in that land and he saw uh, these amazing people around there and he knew his wife, Rebecca, was beautiful, he lied to them and said, this is my sister. Because he was scared they were going to kill him and then take his wife. The very interesting thing about this story is that Abraham did the same thing. Now, Abraham is Isaac's father, so several years before that, Abraham came before Abimelech and he did exactly the same thing. And it's a picture to you and I that if we don't have courage, if we don't build our faith, if we don't protect our faith, we will end up making the same mistakes that our fathers made. We've got to be line crosses, amen? We've got to exercise our faith and say, you know what? We build on the shoulders of the ones that have gone before us. We've got to be better. We've got to be stronger. We've got to take an extra step. Can you say amen? Look at the person next to you and say, have courage this morning. And you're going to see this morning, uh, we'll talk about this a little bit, how not to repeat the mistakes that your parents and their parents made. Amen? God wants you to start from where they, where they finished and move forward. Say, I'm moving forward this morning. Now, what I also want to show you is that when you choose to obey God, when you choose to have courage to do the right thing, what also happens is God covers you even when you make mistakes. And we saw that God protected Isaac, although Abimelech confronted him, he told the truth, and then Abimelech protected him and put a decree out to say, don't any of you touch this man or his wife because I am putting protection around them. And it's a beautiful picture to you and I of God's love and that God's love goes beyond anything you and I could ever do. And we read that in Romans 8. Let's just turn there quickly as a springboard this morning. In verse 32, the apostle Paul writes to the church in Rome and he says, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, say in all these things, I am more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens us. 
Now let's move on in our story. We spoke last week from verse 12. It says, then Isaac sowed in that land. Say that land. Now what is that land? That land is the land where God told him to be. And I want you to think about that this morning because that is really important this morning to understand the significance of that statement. Because remember, in the Old Testament, it's religious and external. Because God was dealing with people that were not saved and born again. In the new covenant, it becomes relationship and spiritual. You see, our religion is not what we do, it's who we are. Because it comes from the inside out. And what I want you to see about that is this. The land that God wants you to sow in is the land that is your heart. What are you sowing into your heart today? Because that's the land where you live. And I want you to know what you sow in your heart today is going to produce in the natural whatever's been sown. And so our hearts need to stay tender. We need to work hard. We need to be obedient. We need to be practical about the things we're doing. Serving God is not just a spiritual thing we do in the sense of just coming to church and worshiping. It's a practical thing we do that every day we sow the word into our hearts. We renew our minds. We live a lifestyle of worship because we understand who God is to us. Can someone say amen this morning? And you see, when I'm sowing in this land... It's going to produce a harvest in the same year. Say the same year. So don't give up this morning. Maybe you've got some weeds. Maybe you've got some things in your life because you sowed the wrong things. Well, don't get discouraged. Start sowing the right things. But here's what I want to say to you. Be honest about where you're at. Because how many of you as people, we love to blame God. I'm going to... I'm going to do the traumatic pause till someone says amen. amen. I mean, we love to blame the devil. Uh, thank you. And how I many we love to blame each other? Look at the person next to you and say, take responsibility for your life this morning. Do you remember that old joke? There was this person sitting on the side of the street and he was just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And this person walks past and he recognizes it's the devil. And he says to the devil, why are you crying? Why are you so upset? He says, I just can't get over it. I get blamed for everything that happens. The person was a strong believer and hit him on the back of the head and said, that's right, stay in your place. And he walked on. And I added that last part, but anyway, that's what I would do. Now remember we said this, that the, the hundredfold return isn't necessary a hundred times, it can be, but it's the maximum result. God wants to give you the maximum result in your life. And I want you to know it's according to the condition of your heart that that harvest will produce. We'll look at that a little bit just now as we dig into this. Then it goes on, remember it said in verse 13, he began to prosper, he continued to prosper until he became very prosperous. So remember now this morning, there's two things happening. As believers, we sow into the land, which is our spiritual life, and we sow into the natural, which is our natural life, but that flows out of who we are in the spiritual. Listen to me carefully this morning. If you're just sowing seed because the Bible said sow seed, then you are doing a work of the flesh. 
But if you sow the word into your spirit and it becomes a revelation to you and now you're sowing because you love Jesus, because you see the principle, because you know the word works, listen, and you line that up with actually doing it, how many of you know now there's an alignment and you're doing it out of the spirit and it's going to produce 30, 60 and 100 fold? That's why it's so important this morning that we cultivate what's on the inside. Our soul and our heart needs to be healthy. 3 John 2 says, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And so we need to understand, we need to protect our heart. Jesus preached an incredible sermon. You can go read it this afternoon in Mark chapter 4 where he distinctly gave the four conditions of heart and what they'll produce in your life. And so you and I are responsible to allow God to work in our lives so that our hearts stay tender, good soil, so that the harvest can produce. Say, I'm good soil this morning. Now, let's read in verse 14. He had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, and a great number of servants, so the Philistines even envied him. Now, the Philistines had stopped up the wells, which his father's father servants had dug in the days of Abraham. Verse 16. Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are mightier than we are. Now you need to understand this morning, when you get established in your identity, when you realize who you are in Christ, and you start walking in the confidence of that, you become unstoppable. Can you hear that this morning? Say, I'm unstoppable this morning. The reality is you've got to start to believe that, and you've got to start to apply that in your life. Because think about this. When Abimelech came to Isaac and said, listen, go from us, you are mightier than I. Isaac could have turned to him and said, exactly, I'm not going anywhere, you leave. But he didn't. And you're going to see why in just a moment. Let's read on in Genesis chapter 6, 26 verse 17 and 18. Then Isaac departed from there and he pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and he dwelt there. In other words, listen, Isaac could have fought a battle, told Abimelech to go and do whatever. I won't use the language from the pulpit. He would have said to him, listen, I'll stay where I am, you leave. No, Isaac recognized he needs to go to the land that God is sending him to, and he moved on. And it's a picture to you and I that we always need to guard our hearts, and we need to choose our battles as we're led by the Holy Spirit on a day-to-day basis, and we've got to know when it's better just to shake it off and move on, or when it's better to stand and fight. Look at the person next to you, say, choose your battles carefully. All right, so... Isaac decided, listen, I'm going to depart. I'll go somewhere else. God is going to lead me. He ends up in the valley of Garan. Look at verse 18. And so Isaac began to dig there again. And he dug wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he called them by the names which his father had called them. Now, the first well that Abraham dug, if we go back in history, he named that well Bathsheba. All right? Now, Bathsheba actually means the well of the sevenfold oath. So what is this saying to us today as believers? Is it saying to us that we need to know our covenant and we need to stand on it? Because that's where Abraham originally made a covenant with Abimelech so that he would be protected in that land. 
He didn't know years later there would be another famine and his son would have to be in the same place. And the reason God told him to stay there was that's where God told Abraham all the promises that he was going to fulfill. So God wanted Isaac there so he could stand on that covenant. The other beautiful picture here is it says it was a sevenfold oath. Now, how many of you know the number seven in, in biblical numbers is the number for perfection? And it always refers to the salvation of Christ Jesus that he purchased on the cross. The finished work of Christ. So there's a picture here of our covenant with God and that we need to always make sure that wherever we are and whatever we're doing, we're standing firm on the covenant that we have with God through Jesus Christ. Why? Because you don't stand in your own strength. You don't stand on your own works or your own ability. You stand within the righteousness of God that you've been made when you got saved. Say, I'm righteous this morning. So that's the first thing we learn. Uh, first thing we learn. We learn this, that behind every one of God's promises, there is purpose and there is power. And faith embraces God's promises as if they are as good as money in your bank. Amen? But how many of you know it takes courage to believe that when you're living in a famine? When it looks around you like nothing is going to come to pass. Nothing is going to work out. What do you do? You keep fighting for your faith. You keep contending. Can you say amen? You don't give up. You keep praying. You keep praising. You keep celebrating. And you keep your joy. Look at the person next to you. Say, keep your joy. Don't join the world in complaining about everything. Join the church in praising about everything. Can you say amen? You praise your way to victory. Now let's read on in verse 19 because the story gets really interesting. In verse 19 it says, Also, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and they found a well of running water. Verse 20, But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdmen saying, this water belongs to us. So he called the name of that well Essek, because they quarreled with him. Wow, what do we learn from this? Well, go look at the word Essek in the Hebrew. It actually means strife and contention. And it's a lesson to you and I, if we want to live prosperous, if we want to live in the land, if we're going to have courage to fight for our faith, listen to me this morning, church, you've got to stop striving in your own strength. And you've got to stop allowing strife to control your life. Look at the person next to you. Say, no more strife. You see, you and I have to learn that when we strive in our own flesh and our own ability, we allow ambition and we allow our own experience and our own strength to be what we trust in. And it causes us to do things in the natural that often mess up what God wants to actually do in our lives. And so we must never allow strife to control us. The other thing is this, strife or striving speaks about trusting the arm of the flesh, relying on the arm of the flesh to get things done. And how many of you know we don't rely on ourselves, we rely on God? Amen, we make room for God. Now I want you to know that's not always easy when things are going wrong, how many of you know we want to control we want to manage, we want to do things, we want to put things in place. What you should really do is take a step back and rest in God and let Him lead you by the Spirit. You still need to do what you need to do, but you need to make sure you're not trusting yourself. Look at the person on the other side. Say, who are you trusting this morning? Now, 
Let's build on that. I want you to know as well, you've got to guard from getting into strife with other people. Because I want you to know the enemy works over time at neutralizing your faith by getting you into strife, getting you upset with people, getting you angry, getting you worked up with things. And you know what? When he gets you into that fray, your faith stops working. It loses momentum and it loses strength. So you've got to guard against those relationships. Listen to Proverbs 20 verse 3. It is an honor for a man to keep away from strife by handling situations with a thoughtful foresight. But any fool can start a quarrel without regard for the consequences. Now let me just encourage you this morning. Well, I hope it will encourage you. This is where strife originates. Strife originates from unrestrained anger. When we don't have things resolved in our own heart, it leads to anger which produces strife. Strife comes from pride. We want our way and we want people to know who we are and that we did it. And so pride produces strife. Competitiveness will produce strife. Our tongue. Just look at the person next to you and do this. Yeah, that little thing, it causes huge problems. Because we say things we shouldn't, amen? We say, say things when we shouldn't say them. Oh, just look at the person next to you. Say, shut up, the pastor's preaching well this morning. <laughs> Strife comes from selfishness. Unresolved issues in our lives. Incorrect perspective about things. All these things we need to be aware of and we need to grow into and from these things. Always needing to be right. Listening to gossip. Putting your ears out to what other people say about things instead of guarding your heart. All these things will nurture and stimulate strife in your life. That's why I want to encourage you today, church. You've got to guard your heart with all diligence. Can you say amen? Protect it. And we'll look how we do that in a moment. You see, that's why forgiveness today is so powerful. Listen, forgiveness isn't for the other person. Forgiveness is for you and I. Because it releases our hearts. It keeps us strong. It keeps our heart tender and it stops our heart from becoming hardened. You see, when your heart gets hardened, you know what happens. Your faith stops working. You allow unbelief and doubt to cloud you. Your perspective becomes skewed. And guess what? You start to strive in your own ability. And that's why, you see, when you keep your heart, it keeps your faith courageous, it keeps you focused, and you're able to be soft and tender towards what God wants to do. And he'll do it in spite of what others are saying. In spite of what's coming against you, God will bring you through that season. Can you say amen? Say, God's bringing me through. All right, now let's go to verse 21. So you know what, you know what Isaac did? He gave them the wells and he moved on. Just look at the person next to you. Say, just give it to them. Yeah. You know, when a brother's arguing with you, fighting with you, ugly to you, you know what Jesus said? Pray for them. I know that's the last thing on your mind, but it's the best thing you can do. Amen? Because it guards your heart. And then in verse 21, it says, then he moved on and he dug another well. Say, dig another well. He just picked himself up, shook himself off, moved on. Now remember, every time Isaac moved, he had to move his flocks, his people, his sheep, his cattle. And I mean, this wasn't just like, I climb in my little Ford and off I go to the next destination. No, he had a Ford and a Bucky and a trailer and a bus. 
Amen. But you know what? He did it because he was trusting God. And he was saying, listen, if I've got to move on, that's fine. God will give me another well. And look what he did. So var, God gave him another well. Verse 21. Then they, for the English-speaking people, so var means genuinely he did it. I think. <laughs> Close enough. All right. Then they dug another well. Say another well. Listen. And then the people in that place came and they quarreled and said, no, 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 no. This water's ours. Now, if I was Isaac, this is where I'm like, I'm drawing a line in the sand. You go find your own flipping water. But he didn't. Look what he says. He named that place Sitna. Now, Sitna in the Hebrew, on the surface, it's the same word, strife. But it comes from a different root word. And the root word here for Sitna means this. It means to be in opposition. It means to quarrel, fight, or argue with someone. It actually means this, to accuse someone so as to cause a fight. So guess what Isaac did? He said, listen, I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to accuse you. I'm going to take my stuff and I'm going to move on. Why? Because I'm trusting God and I'm not trusting you and myself. I am not going to lower myself, rob myself of my faith, let my heart become hard and lose my harvest. Look at the person next to you. Say, don't lose your harvest this morning. In other words, listen, it means holding your peace. Refusing to get caught into that argument, caught into that fray, caught into that accusation, or start accusing others. You just say, listen, it's fine. I'll just move on. I'll trust God and I'll move on. Because God is my source. Amen? What gets taken from me, God will restore. Hundredfold, He'll restore it back to me. Can you say amen? So holding our peace, can I encourage you today, church, as your pastor, holding your peace is one of the most tremendously powerful things any believer can do because it makes you fruitful and it protects your heart. It protects your soul and it will cause you to be successful. Now, having an attitude of peace, having an attitude of calm is absolutely priceless because it makes a statement. I am trusting God and not things. I'm trusting God and not the way it looks like it's working out. My faith is in the Lord. Can you say amen? And it doesn't matter what I have to let go of in order. Listen, as Christians, we live at a different level. You see, if you're living at this level, you might want to get into the accusation. You might want to quarrel. You might want to fight. Maybe that's how the world deals with things. But how many know that's not how we deal with it? God fights our battles. And if you want God to fight your battle, then you need to stay in his position. You need to stay in his arena where he can protect you, where he can look after you, and when he can work that out. Now listen, God might say to you, listen, stand and fight. That's a different thing. But you need to be sensitive and you need to guard your heart with all diligence. Now what does peace actually look like? Because I know when you think of peace, you think of tranquility and calmness. How many of you know what I'm saying? You know, there was this competition in France many years ago, and they had 10 upcoming uh, painters uh, come to this competition, and they said, we want you to paint a P, a scene of peace. And, and nine of the people painted exactly what you and I would paint, this tranquil thing, calm water, sitting on a boat with a cup of coffee, you know, sitting over a, a river in a nice little cabin. They had all the, and then the, the last person painted this incredible scene of a violent storm 
waves beating, rain coming down, wind blowing, and the night was dark, and there was this cliff. But then in the cleft of this cliff was a bird hidden away under this rock with its little chicks, and they were safe because they were protected from the storm. And you know what? That's the painting that won the prize. Because it's not about the calm stillness, it's about what's going on on the inside. Everything can be raging on the outside, and you can be standing within the protection of God, completely peaceful, understanding and resting in what God is able to do in a situation. Can you say amen this morning? So having an attitude of peace is incredibly wonderful, and it keeps our focus not on ourselves, but on His grace. Developing that consistency in our life. Peace is the thing that protects your heart and mind. You see, I've always taught this, and I believe it's true. Guard your heart with all diligence. The Bible says that. But listen to this. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. We won't turn there. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. Verse 7 says this. And the peace of God will guard your heart. So what guards your heart? Peace. So you fight to hold your peace and the peace will look after your heart. And notice that verse doesn't just say it will guard your heart. It says it will guard your heart and your mind in unity with God. Look at Romans 14 verse 17 to 19. It puts it over so beautifully. It says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and Joy in the Holy Ghost. Do we have that scripture? We don't have that scripture. You know why? Because I probably added it afterwards. What's wrong with me? Let me read it again. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And verse 18 says this. Those who serve Christ in these things are acceptable to God and approved of men. Isn't that incredible? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now let's read on and look how exciting this gets. Right now, remember we just read verse, uh, what verse did we read? Verse 21. Now look at verse 22. And so Isaac got up and he moved from there and he dug another well. Say another well. At this stage, he's starting a new business. He's become so good at it. Can you say amen? He's going to become a well digger as well. And God's going to bless that business. So he moved along. He digs another well. Listen, and this time they did not quarrel over it. So he called the name of it Rehoboth. Say Rehoboth. And you know what the word Rehoboth means? The word Rehoboth, he named it Rehoboth because in verse 22 it says, For now the Lord has made room for us. And he shall, and we shall be fruitful in the land. The word Rehoboth actually means a broad and open space, a wide area where you can prosper. Can you say amen? And I think there's a beautiful picture that we put up there uh, for, the, for the Rehoboth. It speaks about you and I, when we make room for God, He makes room for us. Can you say amen? When we make room for Him, He makes room for us. Say, make room for Him, He'll make room for us. 
You see, listen, you might go through all those challenges. You might go through all those things and it might test you and it might uh, cause you to want to give up. But if you have courage and you contend for your faith and you guard your heart and you let God work in your life, God will bring you to the wide space. God will bring you to that place where he makes room for you. Say this with me. Say, God is making room this morning. It's such a beautiful picture of our theme this year, the secret place. Because the secret place speaks about you and I coming into his presence and making room for him. And you know, when we make room for him, he starts to make room for us. Amen. And he's going to bring us to our rear both. He's going to bring us to our white place. Look at the person next to you. Say, watch the space. God is not finished. Can you say amen? God is working in your life. God is working in your situations. As you sow in the land, as you sow the word, as you're diligent to work, as you're diligent to contend with your faith, God is going to bring the harvest. God is going to come through for you. Now let's read on. Because it doesn't end there. In verse 23, Then he went up from there to Beersheba. Remember, he went back to the exact place where Abraham had made the covenant. He got to the land where God told him to be. And God started to make the space for him. And the word Beersheba means covenant. In verse 24, it says it's there that the Lord appeared to him the same night. Say the same night. The Lord appeared to Isaac and he said to him, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear for I am with you. I will bless you. I will multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there, and he called the name of the Lord, and he pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants dug a well. So they began to settle in. God began to bless them. God provided for them. And God said, listen, what I promised Abraham, I'm going to continue through you. Look at the person next to you. Say what he promised Jesus. He's going to continue in you. Can you say amen? And so I want you to know today, courage goes hand in hand with our faith. Because courage supports your faith. Courage gives you the boldness to keep trusting God. And I want you to know it will give you a positive outlook in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of the storm. Even though everything looks bleak, Courage gives you that winning attitude that says, you know what, it's difficult now, but I'm not going to live here. I'm moving on to Rehoboth where God is going to create a wide open space for me, where I can fulfill what God's called me to do, where I can be a blessing to those around me. Courage is always a place where maybe there's still fear. Maybe you still feel afraid, but you do it anyway. Can you say amen? You do it in the midst of that fear, in the midst of that doubt that's surrounding you. Courage says, in spite of that, I'll rise up and I'll keep doing what God's told me to do. I won't let go of my covenant and I won't let God down in the sense that He doesn't let us down. He keeps holding on to us. He keeps pushing us forward. Now, let's close this morning and have a look at Acts 4, verse 33. I want to read it out of the Amplified. It says this, And with great strength, say great strength, with great strength and ability and power, the apostles delivered the testimony, their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And a great grace, loving kindness and favor and goodwill rested richly upon all of them. Say his richest grace is resting on me this morning. It's going to be okay. I'm going to move forward. Listen this morning. Courage is the spark that ignites the potential in other people. 
And it encourages them when they look at you to say, you know what, we can do this. We can get there. And that's why I want to say to you today as a church, let our life and our actions and our substance be something that helps other people. Let that be the thing that helps us to see the potential in others and not just see the problems. Amen. Let's encourage one another to keep staying connected to God this year. Let's keep reaching out and helping those who need help by presenting the gospel to them because that is the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ, making a difference in this world we live in. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around this morning. If you're here today, I want you to know that God loves you and he cares about you. Maybe you're here today, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, then I want to take this opportunity. Maybe you're watching online today from wherever you are, the comfort of your room. Maybe you're sitting in a restaurant somewhere watching this online today. I want to say to you today that God loves you and he cares about you and he's got a plan for you. And so if you're sitting here or you're watching online, it doesn't matter. If you feel a tugging on your heart today and you believe today is your day, you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You want to receive him into your heart as your Lord and Savior. It would be our greatest privilege to say a prayer with you and to lead you in the prayer of salvation. So if that's you, wherever you are, just raise your hand nice and high. If you're sitting at at home or wherever you are watching online, we're going to pray with you in a moment. Is there someone in the house today? You say, today is my day. I'm giving my life to Jesus and I'm going to serve God from this day forward with everything I have. Church, let's pray together. Maybe there's someone online this morning. Let's pray this out loud. Say, Father God, I believe today that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died for my sin, and that You raised Him from the dead so that I could be saved. I receive Jesus into my heart today as my Lord and Savior, and I declare thank You, Lord, for saving me today. Now, if you prayed that prayer online, please send us an email, send us a WhatsApp. We'd love to get hold of you. We'd love to connect with you, and we'd love to pray with you and send you a Bible if you don't have one. Well, church, I'm so excited this morning. We're going to invite Benita to come, and she's going to be receiving our tithes and offerings this morning. So put your hands together for Benita as she comes. Good morning, Raymond South Coast Family Church. How's everyone this morning? There's definitely no flaky Christians here with the weather like that, and we're all here in church. Um, I'd like to read from Leviticus 27, verse 30, and it says, A tithe is everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. These gifts were a reminder that everything belonged to God. And a portion was given back to God to thank him for what they had received. So family, how are we going to thank God today? The principle of first, that is what tithing is. It's not giving God after you've paid all your bills and then, okay, uh, Lord, I've got some left over, I'll give to you. No, that's not what faith is. Faith is an action. God needs to be first, as Pastor Larry said, in your heart. Because what's in your heart is what you think. And what you think, you will do. Let's show God that he's first this morning. He gave us his first and only son. So I think we started well by putting him first and not staying in bed this morning. 
So let's show that by our giving today. Can I pray over the tithe? Possibly? Okay. Let's hold our seed in our hand before we do the offering today. Father God, I just thank you for this morning, Father God. And Lord, I know that everyone puts you first in their hearts, Father. But Father God, as Pastor Larry said, it takes courage, Father God. Faith is an action, Father God. And just like Pastor Ben said um, about his children in the sea, Father God, we, they, they were swimming and regardless of the danger, Father God, I, I, was, I was thinking about how the lifeguard sits on that bench and what, that high chair and watches over everybody. Father, I pray that as everybody puts their seed in the offering bucket today, Father God, that they will stand and look, Father God, to see your goodness, Father God, in faith. Put their, their first best in the offering, Father God, and stand back and watch your goodness, Father God, that they will have courage, Father God, and be fully convinced that what your word says is true, and you will provide for all their needs, Father God, not just some, all their needs. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Let's stand together. Uh, We're going to put a song on, and you can come up front. There are buckets at the back, and you can just come and worship God as you sow your finances this morning. And then you can go back to your place, and we'll do the benediction. God bless you. Let's enjoy as we give this morning. Church, thank you so much for being here this morning. May the rest of your day be blessed. And may this week you walk in the blessing and the favor of God. Remember, take courage, contend for your faith, and walk in the blessing of God. You can join us online on Thursday evening. Just go to our website. We do our Bible study and communion service at half past six. We'd love to see you there. Enjoy the rest of your day, and God bless you as you go. If you've got any questions, you're welcome to go to the info bar, and they will gladly assist you to the best of their ability. Be blessed and enjoy your day.